Father, we do thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for your word. Uh, the lyric I heard this morning on the way to church was, um, you made our knees to bend. And I think of that uh, as being expressed most clearly here in this commandment, honor your father and mother, that you've created us from our most basic human relationship, parent to child, um, th that it's a relationship built on humility and brokenness and submission, even at the beginning of our lives. So, Father, would you, would you do what only you can do by your Spirit and work on our hearts that we have hearts that are trained and tuned to brokenness and humility before you because in this relationship we are taught how to live all other relationships. And so we, we ask for um, grace in this area to understand why you have uh, placed us and put this command on us. We thank you that it all points to Jesus and we want to learn about him and of him and from him today. And it's in his name that we pray, amen. All right, we are going through the Ten Commandments. We're doing it in rapid pace, uh, one a week. And so, uh, just by way of review, let's go through what we have learned so far. First commandment is... Right heart. Right heart. It's have no other gods... I can see a new translation coming out somewhere. It's just going to be like the... Oh, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow, guys, thanks a lot. Um, so, right heart, you shall know the gods before me. Second one is? Right God, okay. Which is what? Which one? Um, uh, no idols. You're not going to create... Um, yeah, it's a good idea. I do now. Okay. Well, Philip will taunt me. It's locked. He taunts me too, so I don't like to leave it. Um, no graven image, no idol. We don't uh, create a god of our imagination. We worship the god who is. Number three is, don't use the Lord's name in vain. What do we? Right reverence. Or fidelity. Very good. Right reverence or fidelity. Thank you, Colby, for the fidelity. Um, and then last week we talked about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. What was it? Right rest. Very good. This is the first tablet, right? The first tablet of the, thank you, uh, of, of, of the Ten Commandments. And they have this feel of being God-oriented, vertical. That's okay. I appreciate you. No, not not at all. Thank you. We'll get a wind chamber going in here a second. Um, they're they're vertical. They're they're Godward, generally speaking, right? That's this is the first tablet. So it begins with the right emotion that we have. It characterizes everything. Do we have zeal toward God? Do we have a, a heart for Him? Today we're going to start on the fifth commandment, and and it's generally considered the second tablet. The next six are uh, horizontal. And so I guess the way to characterize the first one here is the right response. Given that God is 
the only God, He is, and that we owe Him reverence and that we, that we find our rest in Him, what's our response to Him? Um, and that's, how do we treat each other? And, and that's what the second tablet is about. So let's look at Exodus 20, verse 12. You may have heard this um, repeated at your house every morning. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. couple of things. One, um, remember the Sabbath and honor your father and mother are both positive commands. They're the only two positive commands in the Ten Commandments. The others are you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. They're all negative. These are the two positive ones. Honor, what does that mean? What, what is the word for, the, the, the Hebrew word here is kabed. I think I'm saying that right, kabed. Um, it, it literally means to, to be weighty of great value and worth, to view your parents with a weightiness of, of having great value and worth. Don't take your parents lightly, he says. Regard them with great seriousness and value. Um, consider the context... Consider the culture. Why does he say and mother? This is a patriarchal society, right? Why does he say honor your father and mother? Why would that be necessary? Because they wouldn't really like him to do so, would they? I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, generally, it's a very male-dominated society. Um, but and mother is added on this command. Why do you think so, sons? For one, it's going to be a distinguishing aspect like their culture versus other cultures. Okay. You can't tell me what to do, Mom. You're a woman. Right? God says, no, I ain't doing that. Sons are to respect their mothers as well as their fathers. Right? That is a distinguishing Content, uh, 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 a feature of the covenantal community in Israel. <clears throat> Male children would not despise the female leadership of a mother in the home. You, you, you don't have a son going up to his mom going, shh, mom, sandwich. <laughs> you don't have that. God says, no, we're not doing that. Honor your father and your mother. Now, so here we have the fifth commandment. It's one of the best jokes that has ever come out of this class was that one. It's not original with me, but I've used it often. And I have sore back of my head because of it. Um, <laughs> honor your father and mother. Do we have a little children's church right here in the middle of the Ten Commandments? We have all this adult stuff. Right heart, right God. And yet, oh kids, by the way, is it just children that he's talking about? No, no. no. How do we know that? Because Jesus references it 
later on in the New Testament. Okay. He was talking to the Pharisees when they were talking about you can <clears throat> you can give uh, alms to the church and neglect your parents, but it's better because <coughs> you're giving it to the, or the church, the temple. The temple, right. Uh, it's better because it's going to God. And he said, no, honor your father and your mother. Do you not know the command? There's some important things involved here, given the context. This is pre-Social Security, right? <laughs> How is an elderly, an elderly person going to sustain themselves in need? They depend upon their children to, to return the favor. I mean, they supported them when they were young, and now they support you when you're old kind of thing. Um, now, we talked on Friday uh, pretty extensively that this command applies to adults as well as children, and we talked about Friday night uh, the, the, the role of, of, of parent and child and, and how um, there's a general progression that takes place with growing children. I talked about it this morning with, with one of mine, that there's a progression, and just because you're not in this stage of development and, and, and age does not mean that you're not worth what your older sibling is. There's just, we're, we're, we're letting go slowly. That's part of life. And we talked about that and, and, and how parents grow, uh, go from being a teacher and judge in the, the child's life to a counselor. I mean, that's the progression. You, you let go, they become their own person, and, but you are still esteemed as a parent for, for counsel. And the biblical vision for parenting is not 18, get them out of the house, woo-hoo. They're off the dime now. You know, this is, that's not the biblical view. Um, the biblical view is, is the long game. It's not only do you have influence as a father over your immediate children, even at, in, into adult life, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It's a legacy that you're building in the family. That's the, that's the idea of the covenantal community in Israel. You're planting and growing and cultivating something for the long term, not just till you retire and you can go play somewhere else and not worry about what goes on. That's their life. That's never the way it's portrayed in the Bible. That's very Western. Um, so there's, there's this long vision, long-range vision. Fathers were the teachers, you, you remember Deuteronomy 6, teach them when they go out and they come in. They're to teach the next generation God's law and the history of God's people. Remember we talked about when they, when they had a memorial. Remember when your child asks you, why is, this, why is this memorial here? Well, we were slaves in Egypt and God brought us out. And they're to talk about the history of their people. So there's this um, honor was given to those in whom the tradition which is the means of how we do things, and the truth that God has delivered to the people, that they're the vessels for that. The previous generation now carries that and is delivering it to the next generation. And he's saying, honor that. Honor that role. Honor that deposit of heritage that you have in the covenant community. And there's a promise there. What's the promise? Live long in the land. So you honor your parents and you're going to live to 90. Is that what that means? Generation. It means the people of Israel. It's a, it's a covenantal community thing. He's talking about the nation. 
will live long in the land that God has given. Why does he say that? What's what's the what's the connection there? Well, he's promised them land. He's promised them these people a land, a place, and this is how they stay unified. That's okay, okay, um, and and it's 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 the, the basic unit of society there is man, marriage, family, parenting, that kind of thing, and if that's stable. That gives stability to the whole to the society as a whole. All right. If this is the first tablet, this is the second tablet. I know it's the fifth commandment, but we're doing it by a tablet here, so we'll say, uh, well, I'll go with my R's. This is what struck me as I was working through this this week. You have the first commandment on the first tablet dealing with the heart. What is honor? To honor the verb, the active verb honor, where does that come from? It's an emotional response. That comes from the heart. This characterizes all the Ten Commandments. We move over to our response horizontally. It begins with the heart. Right? Do you see that? Our first relationship as a child, you don't get married first, you get born first, right? Your first relationship as a child begins with a right heart, a submissive heart. To honor those who came before. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you would set it up this way? Yeah. Um, I'll try to keep this short. In track, when you're running a four by one hundred meter race, it's four hundred meters around the track. Okay. And you have a baton, and there's four people. Ninety-eight plus percent of the time, uh-huh. the baton is dropped in between the two people. It's in the transition from one person to the next. Mm-hmm. So when you've got generational gaps, if the children honor their parents, they're still in connection with them. Mm-hmm. The parents have the ability to communicate with that child, so the precepts of the Lord are not dropped. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and here's the thing. This is this is the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength part of the Ten Commandments, right? Jesus summed them up. He was pulling from Leviticus Deuteronomy, by the way. Um, and then the other one was uh, love your neighbor as yourself. In the summary, what does each one begin with? Love. It's a heart response. It's not just a checklist. It comes with a, a right emotion, a right orientation of our heart. You learn to do this by starting to do this as a child. Does that make sense? Built into the fabric of the structure of our culture, of of who we are, is a learning, a discipline that begins here to get us here. What do you think? Yes? You're kind of doing these good. No. Is that that clear? Not clear? Okay. We're starting as kids. I'm born. I'm dependent on parents. My first... Um, response to them is 
I want the toy. And I want bad. And you're not giving me the toy. Wah. Right? And I'm selfish. I mean, Augustine talks about this in the Confessions. You know, from nursing, I was greedy. And I, you know, this whole thing. The heart comes from it. From a, Well, I'm learning to honor them by one aspect of that is children obey your parents and Lord for this is right. As I learn to, to honor my parents, that gets me here. That, that creates a pattern of living so that I'm learning to honor God. Yeah, go ahead. Your brow is furrowed. I'm really worried. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're saying in that, that obedience to our parents, then we are led to the Lord through that. But I, I don't know. I think that you can't have a completely res- right response in honoring your parents Unless, like, I think the arrow goes the other way. I think unless unless you have a right response to God, you can never have a right response to him. I agree with that. I agree. I, I agree that you can't rightly honor your parents unless you love God first. I, I understand that. But I'm saying the training that God builds that training in. It's in the DNA of the of the societal structure to that we submit and then we learn to to love even though we may not understand all. Do what I, just do what I, because I say so, right, is one of those statements that parents make that we say we'd never make to our kids that I made just the other day. And, and part of that is God doesn't tell us every reason that he puts us through things that we are to do, right? There's, there's a learning of trusting, either, there, either we trust and obey or we don't. And it, I think it starts from, just from a, a maturing standpoint, as a child. I know what type of relationship every ch- every student I have has with their parents without ever meeting their parent. Because it because it characterizes the entire way you it, view authority and everything. Authority and, and respect, everything. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, disobedience to parents in the New Testament, we see that it is a, a sign of a decadent and apostate society. You, you look at Romans one thirty. it says... It lists with slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. And then it says disobedient to parents. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 2. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. The family unit is a basic social unit. Um, and all of the relationships are characterized by this one. The family unit is also the basic spiritual unit. Parents are the first pastors and teachers of, of, of the kid. Right, they're the first ones. There, there's a recognition in this command that they that children owe their parents a debt of gratitude for years of care and provision. And then, like I said, this is pre-social security. So Israel has a lot of things going on here in the fifth commandment. But I think at the core of this, it's starting with the right heart, a training of getting to the right heart. All right. What do you do with that? Um, we talked about um, on Friday, we spent a lot of time on um, that this applies as an adult as well. And there's some some pushback on that, I guess, in certain circumstances and, and all of that. And, I, and I, that's a wisdom and discernment thing on how to 
work that out. Um, but what I want to focus on here is that um, as with all the commandments, Christ transforms this one as well. Guess how? Just God is our Father. Okay. And, and how did he honor his Father? By obeying the Father, by by talking of the goodness of the Father, the justice of the Father, the the nature and the characteristics of the Father. Only Christ ever loved his Father with all his heart and soul. I haven't, you haven't, Nathaniel hasn't. It's a mystery to me, but... Christ was obedient even to death on the cross. And here's the thing that struck me about that. When he's his most vulnerable, when he's his weakest from a fleshly standpoint, obviously he said he could call down 10,000 angels and then be there to deliver him if he wanted to. But in his flesh, as a man, when he was the most vulnerable and weak, what happened to that relationship? He experienced rejection from his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? If he's modeling how to honor the Father for us, why that response? I mean, I thought he was supposed to live long in the land. Um, we have kind of a larger group today. And I'm not uh, so naive as to think that everybody has the Ozzy and Harriet mother and father situation. Um, okay, Ozzy and Harriet. Oh, sorry. Well, I can't do modern family. That doesn't work. Um, not everybody has the ideal mother and father. I, I want to bring this out because Christ experienced that rejection not only because of our sin. And to take it on for us, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God, it says. But he experienced that rejection also as our high priest who is familiar with our weaknesses. Some of us have been made um, functionally orphans by either abuse or neglect. How do you honor your father and mother in that situation? Some have made ourselves orphans by our rebellion. But Christ experienced those things. He took those things on to do this. To give birth to a new family. In which we have 
um, well, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. Older men are to teach younger men. Older women are to teach younger women. The, old, the younger men are to regard and honor the older men in the church. The younger women are to regard and honor the older women in the church. And even though we, in, from our genetic standpoint, may not have mothers and fathers that, that are honorable, um, that nurture, God in His grace has provided us with spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to, to do that, to be part of that. And the opposite of that is true too. We honor the elderly in our church because of that. I have a question. Yes. Um, you just said like even though like a biological parents may not be honorable, we can still honor like elderly people and mm-hmm. like um, older spiritual mentors, but that doesn't negate the fact that we still have to honor our so no, it doesn't. Yeah, we talked about that on Friday. Yeah, the, the, you're right. We, we have a duty to honor our parents, whether they're honorable or not. Yeah, I don't. Thank you for clarifying that. I don't mean that. But what I do mean is that you, if you have parents that um, have not fulfilled their duty and have not provided. Um, they don't fit the ideal that the fifth commandment is calling for. That God hasn't left us orphans in that situation. That in the church, he provides... Paul talks about this in, in Onesimus, with Onesimus and in, 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 uh, Philemon. Um, he is my son in the faith. Timothy, my son, my true son, he calls him. Um, you have many teachers, but you don't have spiritual many spiritual fathers, and I am one of them, he says. The, the point is, it's a new community that he's creating. It's a new um, family that he's creating. And those responsibilities are still there um, in the church. The, what does the culture do with the elderly? It stuffs them in a home. There, there was a law passed in 2004 in France. There was apparently a heat wave the previous year where, I can't remember if it was like 1,500 um, elderly people died from just not having care, not having enough uh, air conditioning or whatever. They, they died from the heat wave. And majority of those people that died had family, children, grandchildren who were on holiday at the beach and not attending to the elderly and their family. So they passed a law in France compelling, making you civilly liable for your elder. Why is that necessary? Because the fifth commandment is not being obeyed. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that we have both the benefit of having fathers and mothers in the faith, but also the responsibility of honoring fathers and mothers in the faith. That should never be a part of us. Counterculture here, God calls us to honor those who've come before us. And in honoring them, we fulfill 
partly. I think a, a big part of, of it is in the, in the community of faith, we fulfill the fifth commandment. Um, Y'all you, are doing this kind of thing. Questions? Go ahead. I, I personally am in favor of it, <laughs> but in the gospel, Christ is born our punishment. I don't know that that was ever, there's no recorded narrative in scripture where that was carried out. I think it was certainly a deterrent. What does Jesus use as the, the greatest example of a sinner in one of his parables? The greatest example. It's very famous. The prodigal son. That is such an anathema to the culture that a son would basically say, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. I'm going to go blow it. That's just unheard of. It's crazy. It's over the top. It's one of the, you know. So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know that um, we should go back to stoning children when they talk back to their parents. Uh, I, I think it was that was a cultural context that the specific people of God had that at that time. Um, I think it also but, that peer pressure on parents to be parents. Well, yeah, but we are called to discipline our kids as parents, and um, it, it, Proverbs even says, "If you beat your kid with a rod, he's not going to die." <laughs> it goes on, but I just like to stop there. Um, <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Off, Off topic. Okay. Did you, did you ever hear about the guy um, who wrote a book about living a year, um, like he the Old Testament, and he, would, he had gold pebbles and he didn't have to be in his pocket? Well, he's stoning people when they broke the law. I uh, have not heard about the man who carried little pebbles in his pocket to go around stoning people when they broke the law. Um, now, I think, fruit, I think fruit's appropriate sometimes. Psalm 68, 5 through 6 says this. God is a father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. There is a place for those who are um, from a, 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 a broken family, a... Um, a troubled family that God creates for us in the church. Um, Hebrews 12 follows the great hall of faith. 
That was Psalm 68, verse 4 and 5. 5 and 6, 4 and 5. 5 and 6, yeah. Um, Hebrews 12 follows, oddly enough, Hebrews chapter 11. And chapter 11 is, you remember, the, the Hall of Faith chapter. Um, and then in, tw- in chapter 12, you know what I mean by Hall of Faith? It lists all these people. It says, consider their faith. And then goes through each one, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah. Um, so he goes through all these different people. And he does something very interesting. Look at chapter 12. Uh, we'll start up in, 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 in chapter 11, 39. And all these things, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. And why have you forgotten, or and have you forgotten, the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. He's created a family through his death and resurrection. And the author of Hebrews points to your family history. These are your people. This is your history. This is what you're drawing from. This is the deposit of both tradition and truth that have been given to you by your family. The Old Testament is your family history, he says. And he reminds us of that by immediately going into God regards you as sons. Don't, don't despise his discipline, his chastening of us. Does that make sense? Is that a stretch? When I think of my family, I have, of course, my earthly family in mind. But I also think of Peter, James, John, Paul, um, Augustine, Athanasius, Arrhenius, Polycarp. I think of uh, uh, John Knox, um, John Calvin, Luther, Spurgeon, Wesley. Those men are shoulders on whom I stand. Their history is my history. Their understanding of God and what he's done in time and space informs my own understanding of what God has done in time and space. I carry a deposit that I've received from those guys in addition to those in my immediate era that have invested in me. How you honor them is you live as unto the Lord. Right? You study to show yourself approved and you live according to what's been given to you. It's a heritage that's been given. Um, 
the history of the church. The deposit of faith that's in Scripture. Does that make sense? It's very quiet this morning. So I guess the later you are in generations, the heavier that burden gets. Welcome. Yeah. I think our, you said this before, but I think our society really has messed up because we, we get this idea that we learn until we graduate high school or graduate college and mm -hmm. then we stop learning mm -hmm. and we're free, we're independent from our parents, we move out, we live our own lives, we you know, physically separate ourselves from our parents. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's not the way that God intended it at all, based off of this commandment and mm -hmm. what he did for Israel and everything. And it's funny because without the life experience outside of school and outside the bubble of not real life, but being in real life, mm -hmm. when you have that experience, what your parents say means so much more. And you've got a place to plug it in in, in your brain. And so that's when the, maybe not the instruction, but the advice and the fine tuning mm -hmm. from your parents, or at least what I've gotten from my parents, mm -hmm. really began is post-college. Yeah. So it's the way that God set this up is is genius. You don't you don't stop learning after school. Right. You continually learn the rest of your life and get instruction from your parents. It's a good thing. From your parents and from uh, your spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers as well. I mean, right. that's the way the church is set up. That the generation before invests in the gener the next one coming up, like you see in Israel. God set up the church to do that, to, to be active in that. So, I guess the next question is, are you involved in that? Do you have a spiritual father that you meet with, a spiritual mother that you meet with, that you live life with? Talk to them about where you are. Have them challenge you where you are. We don't like that. Our basic nature is one to push back against accountability. We don't like it, but we're called to it because we need it. If you don't have someone that is more mature in the faith than you, working with you, challenging you, seek one out. There's some great guys in this church. There, there's some great ladies in this church who would be I, I believe, willing to do that. Um, Come on Friday nights because you'll meet some of them. We're <laughs> yeah. Traveling to different houses each week. That's we have a gypsy. We have a gypsy road show that we do every <laughs> Friday. We go around to different families, and these homes are open to you guys, so you can watch how they live <coughs> their life, how they scare their kids as they go to bed, how they do these things. Um, as, as an investment of the tradition and truth that we're given in the church to you as you go forward. I'm affected to the physical for just a minute. Okay. I'm one of those people that didn't have honorable parents growing up, mm. which caused me to stumble when I was younger. And there was a period of time that I didn't think God loved me because if God loved me, why did he give me this? Parents are supposed to be loved. Mm -hmm. And it took me into my probably my mid thirties to realize those parents were still blessing. The children I work with today are me when I was young. You think I get them? You think I understand them? 
think they know why they act out when they're crying out for love. The very things that I thought were horrible growing up allowed me to help thousands today. My parents were a blessing. Not just to me. So it made me appear in that situation. Change your earthly perspective about your parents. I still call my parents. I still honor my parents. I don't live around my parents. But I still show them honor. Because they're my parents. And there is a sense in which we, we need to analyze the heart in which we approach people who have failed us. And the resentment that can creep in starts with God's not good. And it brings us back to here, doesn't it? The right heart and the right God. Um, yeah. Any other comments? Yes, ma'am. Submitting may not change the other person, but it does change you. It's an orientation of your heart. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good. I think that what she's saying is a pattern that applies not only to children and parents, but in general relationships. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when, when we know uh, what our response should be, mm-hmm. um, in submissiveness or, or whatever, or having the right attitude, Often, being obedient and doing what you know you're supposed to do, even if you don't feel like it, mm-hmm. God will change your heart <laughs> through that obedience. Yeah. Even if it, it starts as, I'm going to do this, Dad, gum, and I'm going to pick up the phone and call this lady. You know, I mean, that may be how it starts, mm-hmm. but God uses obedience to change our hearts. Yeah. Or at least that's been a pattern I've noticed that sometimes you may not feel like it, you may not have the right heart at mm-hmm. first, except that you just know you're supposed to do it. And and not doing something because you, you you don't feel it and don't want to be a hypocrite is often the cop out of well 
I want to mean it when I call her, right? Well, and of course, it should be coupled with, God, I don't feel like doing this. Please change my heart. But the first thing he calls us to do is, is faithfulness and obedience. Is that what you have written on the board is the response, the right, right response, response leads to the right heart. Yeah, yeah. So that, that function of doing what just feels completely unnatural of um, honoring with a phone call or whatever can be, um, it, it may not change the other person, and, and many times it won't. There's a pattern, a course of dealing therein, and, and but for the Holy Spirit's transformation, they won't change. But the Holy Spirit changes you too, right? And that that's also necessary. Um, and so our faithfulness and being obedient to honor when it's hard to do is a is a transforming thing. And that, that points us to Christ. Absolutely. Know? Because I just think of you know forgive one another, tenderhearted, as God in Christ forgave you. Sure. And I don't know that's easy to say. <laughs> it is. And it's hard to do. It's, it comes off, you know, we can say it flippantly, too. Mm-hmm. Um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What's wrong with you? We'll go to forgive your mother. Well, there's hurt there, and that needs to be dealt with. But at the same, and, and again, in approaching those situations, you want to be wise and discerning. Um, there are situations where it just may not be helpful to be in an environment all the time just because of the negative stuff that's going on, but it doesn't guard your heart against bitterness and, and a distrust of the goodness of God for giving you the parents that you have. Um, okay. It, it, it's it's 10.08. Oh, um, Despite what you believe on the clock. Just a quick thing on this, honoring the elders. I'm actually, this isn't why we're doing this, but, um, but we had talked about doing dinner game nights with some of the Yes. Yes. And so, um, if you are interested, please sign up and put your name and phone number. It's and I'll put it on here. It's going to be Friday, April fourth. Okay. We're probably going to be splitting up into smaller groups and visiting several different people and just either having dinner with them or maybe bringing cards or dominoes or whatever. Um, So, uh, probably we we may bump it up a little earlier than we usually do our Friday night thing. Just for their sake, so maybe six, six thirty, something Dinner like that. Dinner at four thirty. Tradition, somebody said. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just a quick announcement. You know, some of you might know her. She's going on Tuesday for her citizenship test, and so next Sunday at five thirty at the Robertsons, we're going to have a Welcome to America. A Welcome to America party. Yes, for you we've never heard of hot dogs and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And baseball. Yeah. And baseball. Yeah, we'll Actually, do baseball. I was just croquet, you know, croquet. This is so British. Okay. Um. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, I have these cards. Um, my mom's a part of a master's class, and she's trying to get her master's in communication. And so she asked me to give these out. It's just a survey on surveymonkey.com. If you'll fill out this survey so she can have an accurate, you know, an accurate amount of, you know, how texting and communication will probably change in the near future, that would be great. Um, you know, it's just 
It's voluntary. You don't have to do it, but I'm going to leave these cards on the back table. just, to, just So you're to saying if we do it, we won't have a monkey on our back? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Friday night is at the Roberts. Yes. Eric and, Eric and Laura Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. Roberts. Yeah. And we will send you their, uh, or put their uh, yep. address on the CNC side. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. Yeah. We'll, yes. And we'll send out an email. It's all good. Email. No, no, no. I'm telling you now. I'm, I'm early. This is a good thing. Yeah, but it. Oh, right. <laughs> All right. Anything else? All right, I'm pray. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for your concerted effort to challenge us and the pride in our hearts and the bitterness that can get there and the unwillingness um, to forgive that, that can be there. God, I just pray that your spirit would give us wisdom and discernment how to relate to the generation before us. That we would love those who have come before us that we would honor them. Thank you for providing a family in the church that is even more significant than the earthly family you've given us. I pray that you build within our community here at Sylvania a love for each other, and that includes those who are not part of our generation that we'd seek to learn from each other and not be isolated from each other. Fathers, we go into the, the main service this morning, the preaching of your word. I pray that you be with Philip, that you um, bestow upon him a measure of grace to preach the word rightly to us, that you would bestow upon us grace to receive it rightly and to be challenged by it. It's all for the glory of Christ, to be conformed to Him, to look like Him, to honor our parents and our fathers and mothers in the faith as He honored you through His obedience to death on the cross. He took on Himself rejection because of sin and is exalted at your right hand because of His obedience. And we pray for hope to be in us that as we submit and as we serve and as we honor our parents and our earthly parents, uh, our, our, our spiritual parents, that, that we would be hopeful of being united with you and Christ when he returns in a more obvious and overt way than we have experienced yet. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen.